0: This is now the fourth or fifth time that Bitcoin is having this just like rip-roaring rally and you just can't fucking write it off anymore. It survived low interest rates. It survived the period of apathy. It survived the SEC onslaught, survived all these things. Like it's just, it's becoming obvious to the world. Looking at these ETF flows, like how you're literally just hoping they stop in order to, if you want to buy a dip.
1: Okay, welcome back to the much delayed second, third, second episode of the year. Of a thousand, I think it's X. the
0: second episode. That's we were supposed to episode. record a record an episode, but then instead we went out and got drunk.
1: Um, that's yeah, we, oh yeah, we, we did. We did do that. Which, by the way, that was a hell of a that was a hell of a night. That's awesome. We just rocked back whiskeys at Chiltern. Yeah, for I don't know how for I don't know how long we basically had a pod. I wish we could have recorded that podcast. I think you guys would have really appreciated it, but um, I don't think it would have gotten past our censors, unfortunately. It was great. Next time, next time we're we're both in London. Maybe we'll invite a few people out. You know, we'll, we'll post a picture. If you can find us, you can you can come hang out with us.
0: We should start having like community thousand X get togethers where we repeat our. Mm-hmm. Unwaveringly bullish thesis. Like you, you didn't miss much. The thousand X podcast that happened at the bar was basically us talking about how we were bullish, mm-hmm. which we talk about on Twitter and every podcast.
1: Because the reality is, how could you not be bullish at this moment in time? It's, it's just on un- right. So, so let's let's go through what the, let's go through what happened. So, post post approval of the ETF, w- this is something that we've been talking about for a long time. Is that GBTC held a ton of stale capital? And that there was very likely a lot of directional capital held within that product that was not able to exit for many years. Right. Because you remember from the time, if I'm getting my dates right, February, 2021, the discount on the product went negative. So a bunch of people just started buying it to replicate their Bitcoin exposure. And so at some point, a bunch of people just end up directionally long this thing. And so they're going to start redeeming because one of the biggest reasons that they were directionally long is, well, there was a massive discount, right? At a 50% discount, you're making 100% return once that discount goes back to flat. Everybody knows the story. I don't need to rehash it. But there, was, there were going to be outflows. People saw the outflows and took that to mean that there would not be any inflows, which is the opposite. There are been there. We are currently experiencing some pretty insane inflows. I mean, this ETF is breaking a lot of records right now. And we knew it would because you have people like Larry Fink getting on TV telling everybody that it's time to actually make room for digital assets in your portfolio. I was blown away
0: by the FUD when the ETFs first launched. I mean, I GBTC is not a hard product to understand. It's Before it became an ETF, <coughs> it was a trust that held Bitcoin, and you couldn't redeem the trust and take your Bitcoin out until it eventually one day, hopefully, became an ETF. When that happened trust shares or i guess subsequently etf shares were redeemed and bitcoin was pulled out so in the day or three after the etf approvals first were sort of processed by the market everybody looked at those outflows and panicked and looked at the inflows in the other etfs and panicked oh my god they said that there were going to be billions and billions and billions of dollars worth of inflows and it's only a few hundred million going into ibit and a few others and you know Larger than that coming out of GBTC, and you you know you look at the panic merchants on crypto Twitter. Everybody's yep. like, everybody takes like <clears throat> markets move based on the second derivative of the news, not not what's actually happening at the time. So if you see outflows, that is not necessarily in and of itself bearish. You have to ask yourself: Are those outflows <coughs> going to accelerate or decelerate and reverse? That's what moves yes. the market. I mean,
1: yeah, one hundred percent agree with that statement. It's it's always. The, the issue that people make is they they do the for, first order deductive. They say, okay, well, outflows bearish, but,
0: it's and that, and that,
1: and that's, and that's, that's, by the way, that's true point in time, right? Obviously, if you know that there are outflows, the question is over a period of time, are those outflows larger or smaller than expected? And then what is that? How is that expectation shifting over time? So I'll give you, I'll sort of give you an example of this, right? When Bitcoin's trading 48K, my initial estimation of the outflows were 2 billion. Now the pace of outflows changed on GBTC. They changed from, you know, what if they would be on track for 2 billion, actually looking at the pace, you're actually on track for 3, 3.54. So moment in time, you have to realize, okay, my priors are incorrect. Let me shift my opinion. This is actually, this is actually bearish. But then you constantly have to be taking in new data. So what are you doing? You're surveying and you're saying, well, what, what do people think the outflows are going to be tomorrow day after day after day after at some point, what ended up happening in this market was the outflows got priced to 5 billion, 6 billion, 7 billion. When in reality, they were still on track for three to four because people were putting it into, you know, an, an exponential curve instead of what should have been a log, you know, more logarithmic. Okay. Now it's, now now it's priced the other way. 40K BTC, very good level for people to come back in. Outflows are happening. But this is all, look, at the end of the day, this is all hindsight talk. Yep. So what's useful today is that the second part of the thesis, which is that post this particular ETF, there's going to be tremendous speculation on every other ETF down the line. That should be coming into play. So at the moment, the ratio ETH BTC is trading at 0.05275, that is a very good level, in my opinion. You start scaling it because the reality is, ETH is the next product that is the next thing that's going to get productized in ETF form. You might see out, you might continue to see inflows into the spot BTC product. Maybe the ratio goes to 0.48, 10%. But it's, I think, at some point in the next two to four months, you're going to see this ratio at six, six, five. I agree. And, and that's also, and so now it's just a really it's it's a really interesting time to start coming in personally.
0: Well and and what everybody out there should be doing uh, agree like hindsight is hindsight we can do our victory lap we can talk about GBTC all we want but what matters is the future now not the past. Um go on go on to google google farside investors bitcoin etf flow farside.co.uk it's just like one of 60 different dashboards out there that show you the inflows and outflows that basically the net flows into every single etf just bookmark it look at it every day you can see you know last friday there were 542 million dollars worth of inflows the thursday before that 405 million just just keep your finger on the pulse of what's going on in terms of these flows and to me this is this year is going to be the story of flow right you have minor selling getting cut in half pretty soon in April. Um, You have this Bitcoin ETF flow that everybody was panicking because it wasn't big enough. Supposedly, everyone was expecting billions on day one. That's not how ETFs work. It's just going to be this steady tailwind throughout the year. And if you if you if your ETF dashboard shows that the inflows are slowing down, you know, maybe if you're if you're a little bit levered or you're, you're holding more Bitcoin than you're comfortable with, maybe you should lighten up. But for the most part, like I expect this to be steady inflows and a reduction of outflows, mainly because of reduced miner selling. Uh, other ETFs, like the, you know an ETH ETF, now that's on the table. Does that open the door for, um, you know, thing non Bitcoin tokens to be put into ETF form across the board? Is that is that going to telegraph? Uh, sort of securities or legislation and intentions of the SEC, like all these things are going to become narratives over the course of the next nine months. But one thing that you know, this, again, I just just to close the thought out, flows are the story. I I'm still there's one thing that's bothering me about crypto right now, and one reason why, you know, I, I would I would be longer if I if it weren't for this particular discomfort. Flows are a great story, but you also need fundamentals to, to make a market really go into a super cycle. And aside from the already proven use cases, I'm perhaps disenchanted with the lack of new ones. Maybe Farcaster is going to blow up, but I just, I don't know. I, I'm not i am not feeling the, the fundamentals as much.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the reality of the situation is twofold. Uh, one, you have the s and p above five k you have nasdaq, you have nasdaq ripping uh you have what seems to be a very robust economy in the united states uh you know the rest of the world i'm not I'm not waiting with bated breath i mean i think china's under a lot of pressure right now. I think europe's stagnating a bit but the u s is the u s is going and the u s is what matters because that's where all the money is that's flowing into the space and so as long as you have strong fundamentals from the equity side uh, and from the tech side then inflows into BTC keep going. And I think we all know that at some point people get greedy. That's the reality of this market. And there are a lot of people that I think the the balance of holders, people that own Bitcoin, it used to be a lot less crypto native, actually. But I think because of the ETF speculation, you've seen a reallocation to Bitcoin. And so people's portfolios are more comprised of BTC now than they have been in the past. And so you still are going to get that wealth effect and it's going to flow down to different assets. And then the fundamentals just follow, right? So we'll take NFTs, for example, Pudgy Penguin's doing very well. And that's I, that, what a ridiculous name. I can't believe I have to say that out loud, <laughs> um, but, you know, they're they're not trading a $40,000 because they've managed to actually transform themselves into a TV show. And, right. They managed to transform themselves into this a TV show product. for adults. I, I actually don't know the detail, but you know, they're, they're, they're actually putting out products. Right. Um, my view on this is that as wealth grows, what you're going to see is you're still going to, you're, you are going to see the redistribution. Um, and that's going to cause, Certain sectors to do extremely well, and then that's going to cause fundamentals to, to actually improve in those sectors. Like, I mean, Blur, for example, right? If NFT volumes go up because people are respeculating on on NFTs. Then the value of Blur is gonna then the value of Blur is going to go up, right? Um, I think that right now, so Tau is another example of this in the AI space. <coughs> Tau has managed to start uh, raising for sub. You know, uh, ba- basically, they've started raising for products building on top of Taow. They're becoming a platform, and that wasn't true six months ago. It wasn't true eight months ago, but it's true today purely because there's more money in the space and pe- people are willing, you know, you're willing to go out and do this. I mean, go- going back to Blur for a second, it's the same with Blast, right? They've introduced a new L2. People are willing to deploy capital into building products on these. Uh, on, these on these. So, L2s so you're saying that the I'm fundamentals
0: sure. will follow the flows, and I, I have this sort of. Mm -hmm. antiquated um, commodities mindset that fundamentals
1: lead the flows and create them.
0: Maybe maybe in crypto, it's different. You might be right. I hadn't thought about it that way.
1: I think, I think that's, I think that's what we're going to see happening. And so what I'm focused on right now is figuring out where exactly the flows are going to go in the beginning. Uh, You know, so things. ETH is my no brainer. Like how is that so far behind? I,
0: I couldn't agree with you more on ETH BTC. That is a crazy one.
1: I think the only issue with ETH is that have you used say, or have you used any of these other platforms? No, I've I've written them off
0: entirely, which is which is lazy.
1: But I mean, they're very easy to use, and they're very consumer friendly, and the applications are smooth and the applications are easy. And when you go back to ETH, what you realize is that it's just not a great user experience. Now, I think that doesn't matter as much because the thesis around ETH is more concentrated around institutional flows than anything else. In the same way that, you know, you can't really use stuff on Bitcoin, you know, it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, exactly. I I think it doesn't. I mean, just to interject quickly, like, well, I'm not going to, you know, digress too far. I want you to continue on this point. But let me just say that let's not forget that centralized databases, centralized infrastructure, Amazon web services and you know, all, all of the things that crypto kind of stands in the face of have a much better user experience than even Say or Aptos, right? So at the end of the day, um, it it's about a decentralized settle, settlement layer that has a network effect and has economies of scale and has sort of a first mover advantage. That's that's sort of why I'm bullish ETH. I, I don't think anyone's going to flock to near or you know, maybe Solana because they've done something special, but any of these other alt L ones further out the risk spectrum, just because of a user experience, what matters is the security and the decentralization.
1: Otherwise you just go centralized. I think I'd agree with that. Um, Just talking about uh, price action for a second here. Where do you, if you're trading this market, right? If you're thinking about, okay, let's say you're 50% deployed, 40 percent deployed you want to get more deployed are you are you buying are you buying here are you buying 50k um, or is this is a short term long term in your in your view extended okay um so let me just preface
0: this by saying that <clears throat> with uh, the way that i form a view in in my trading kind of mindset i start by testing the absolute extremes And so it's like, what do I want to have on this second? What do I want to have on for 10 years? I don't usually have much conviction in the super short term. So I I like to start at the other end of the spectrum. In terms of what do I want to have on for 10 years? I have never had more conviction in my life over any 10 year period in any asset class um, beyond the conviction that I currently have in Bitcoin
1: you can't give people 10 year advice. <laughs>
0: no, but let, let, hear me out. I'm working <laughs> no. my way backwards. So, if you're creating a like if you're if you're trying to not chop yourself <laughs> up. Okay, all right. You're not okay. you're trying to not buy high and sell low. Not not like right. sell $38,000 Bitcoin after the ETF comes out because some crypto Twitter bears said it looks bearish, right? And then buy it back at 45k. If you're trying to not chop yourself up, it starts, it, like, it helps to have a very long-term thesis that you can cling to when you're losing money, right? So with my very long-term thesis, I think that Bitcoin is a no-brainer, that the, most of crypto probably is going to zero, but some of crypto will, will probably take over large swaths of technology and finance. So coming back to the, the, the your question, in terms of what I would be doing now if I were 50% allocated, I would be allocating myself probably 80 to 90. I would take what the 50% that was un, like sort of allocated for crypto, but undeployed. And I would, I would put maybe 70 or 80% of that into Bitcoin, which is sort of the the most secure crypto asset that has the lowest volatility. And then what I would do is I would save the remainder of that dry powder to either add Bitcoin on dips or to selectively bet on alts with no leverage that i saw kind of emerging in in various ecosystems with some sort of potential right maybe i would be paying close mm. attention i know same same question
1: back at you what, what would you be doing oh wow great question i'm glad you asked it um <clears> my <throat> spicy <laughs> my, <laughs> my view on this uh, just as you know as somebody that trades a little bit more short term than 10-year than um, look i'm in monaco right now I, i'm feeling a little bit spicy um, I'm a gambler at heart. Uh, I've seen this. I've seen this price action play out a lot. You're wearing a black turtleneck like all the French people there. Is that what do you mean? Do French people wear black turtlenecks? Is that a thing? Yeah, of course it is.
0: Watch every French movie. They're all wearing black
1: turtlenecks. What do you mean? Name Jonah. Name one French movie. Leon, that guy um,
0: that that took uh, child Natalie Portman and turned her into a killer.
1: Okay, Leon, name another French movie. That that one's that one's that one's easy. Name another French movie. Amelie. There's definitely a guy with a, a fixed gear bicycle <laughs> and a black turtleneck in there. Okay. I'll uh, I'll go watch Amelie. I'll go uh, see if I can find any turtlenecks. I, I forgot you married a French woman. Yeah, yeah, dude. I'm I'm up to my up to my turtleneck in French Frenchness. Well we were talking about something serious before you distracted me with this. We
0: were talking about um, like, let's say that okay. you're under. So, so here's so here's
1: here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, when you when you're looking at this uh, type of price action, so this reminds me a lot of the 20K, uh, the, you know, any, any round, any round number breaks uh, you tend in the third and the 30K break, you tend to get this type of type of price action where you have to test the liquidity first, right? So at any, at any moment there are a ton of people for psychological reasons that will sell round numbers. Now it doesn't, there's no actual expected value to selling a round number where you're selling 40K, 30K, whatever there's no reason to do it other than people are psychologically wired to go sell route numbers. Cause they like to say I sold 50 K. Right. Fine. So when that happens, the first time you hit that number, you tend to get a lot of people that will come in and just sell. Almost always the prudent move is to not buy the first time uh, that number almost always. Now, when do you know if that's different? you generally tend to know if that's different. If you get a large liquidation through that number, it comes back down and then it stays above that number for more than 24 to 48 hours. So basically the way that I would think about trading this is all my longs, I'm on the sidelines now. I'm waiting because I think there's better EV to wait to see that break, to try to catch it, to buy 51, 52. And then what you're doing is you're actually betting for all-time highs. You're betting for the 70K. Then to try to buy here in the 50K, when you know that there's a ton of sells there are are a ton of people that have been underwater for an extremely long time that have been waiting for a while to sell 50K. So So you've taken your crypto
0: off the table waiting to... I I just, sorry, I know you haven't done this, but just to clarify for the listeners, you're saying if you're under allocated you're going to wait to buy a break you're not going to buy right now because yeah, it might if I, down
1: i'm i'm doing i'm taking the midwit take which yeah. is that um i'm buying and and some you know oftentimes a midwit take when it comes to round numbers is right because it's that that's what makes round numbers important why wouldn't um, you just
0: buy here expecting a break in the future i, I don't understand maybe i'm stupid
1: but because like, generally what we, we tend to do is you get to get those like 10, 15% sell-offs once it doesn't break a round number. But you're is, not saying to buy the, the dip. You're saying
0: to buy the break.
1: No, no, you can buy, buy the dip or buy the break. So, oh, so okay. the, the first, the fir- this is the first part of the statement is you buy the break. The second part is the I don't think the inflows are stopping anytime soon. And so I think any amount of selling by the... People that already own this asset, whether they're you know miners in China, uh, whether they're people in the U.S. that have been holding for a long time. Uh, there's no other. Right, there's not going to be enough supply to take this thing lower to overwhelm the inflows because you have to yeah. remember you have to remember we're just getting started.
0: Yeah, I mean that, is, and that's and why I'm a- not trying to buy a dip like the price of iBit the ETF that most most normies are buying is $28 and 46 cents a share. There's no round number there. And those inflows are unstoppable. Like to me, the idea of trying to get cute with it and dance between the raindrops, like you might, you're probably right. And it is probably a great way to extract extra alpha out of this market, but I'm not good enough to do that. So I don't even,
1: we're, we're, we're traders at the end of the day. You can talk long term. I'll talk short term, but when I, when I see situations like this, what I see is I see opportunity and my job is to exploit that opportunity. Yeah. Now that that being said, I think Q1 is going to be Q1 is an interesting one because the only people that are buying now are the people that actually decided. Uh, you know, a lot of the a lot of the bigger bigger players that are willing to get into this market, they either decided in Q4 of last year, or they expedited some processes uh, to buy.
0: Mm.
1: I think the most amount of people that are going to come into this market are going to come in Q2 because the ETF got approved in Q1 and that's galvanized a lot of people to take this more seriously. And so starting in Q2, you're finally going to get those people to get their boards to sign off on it. Right. And you're, you're going to do a lot. Happens. Right. And the have and the having happens. So I've been talking to a lot of exchanges. Uh, I think that the, the, the best way to evaluate this market is to see who new is coming into this market. And as far as I can tell, there are a tremendous, tremendous amount of new people that are coming in, both from the retail side and from the institutional side. I'm seeing the same. A, lo- uh, a lot I'm of the investment the banks, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the hedge funds that stepped away post FTX they are not coming back in full force because they've realized that this isn't, you know, that this isn't going away. Now that that's going to make life a little bit harder to trade, uh, especially especially the large caps, which I think you're you're seeing this in in, in the market. Uh, whether it's conscious or not, a lot of the natives have moved away from levered trading, large caps, anything in the top thirty people. Just the 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 amount and the preponderance of people that are trading on leverage in those large caps, as far as I see on Twitter, are moving away. They're moving towards on-chain metrics, shitcoins, all all this, all this other stuff, uh, because I think that that area has and will continue to get more, more competitive over time as these new people, as these new people come in, but it's going to provide, it's going to provide a boost in liquidity. It's going to provide a boost in, in inflows. It's going to provide a boost in value to a lot of these, a lot of these uh, you know, the top 10, top, top 20. Um, So, so one thing, one thing I'm looking for is that uh, there, there might, there, there are a lot of, there are a lot of mid caps and large caps that have actually underperformed. I mean, if you look at Solana relative to BTC, uh, you look at Matic in a huge way versus versus BTC. Uh, maybe around Q2, I have this half-formed thesis that the new allocators that are coming in are going to pump some of these some of these assets.
0: And even if they don't, like the rising tide that you describe will lift all ships, and that's that's no excuse for bad investing. But what it does do. Is it allows you to be wrong for a little bit longer when you're trying to time some really difficult kind of like speculative theses on alt? Um, you know, interestingly enough, it's funny you mentioned that you're talking to new people getting into the space. Uh, I, I am too, actually. Like, you know, I spend most of my days now sort of dancing between the raindrops, actively trading and systematically trading things like, you know, gasoline, naphtha other random parts of crude oil that most people don't have, like the alt the altcoins of crude oil but in my world of commodities traders pretty much everybody's now asked me they're all coming in and saying like hey is this is this a good time to buy crypto and so in
1: your in your commodities world people are yeah. coming back
0: i mean coming for the first Wait, com- coming to me coming to, to talk about time. crypto
1: for the first time ever. for the first time so
0: this didn't even yeah. happen in 21 no, it, it didn't. It didn't. I mean, in 21, I, I was like absolutely
1: laughed out of the room for pursuing a career in crypto. And now what, what these, do you think? What do you think changed in these people's minds? I mean, the, these are obviously very commodity focused, oil focused traders. I, I think it just I mean, it's not like I'm some visionary. Like I kind of the light bulb sort of
0: went off for me uh, toward the highs. But, you know, similarly, this is now the fourth or fifth time that Bitcoin is having this just like rip roaring rally and you just can't fucking write it off anymore. It survived low interest rates. It survived the period of apathy. It survived the SEC onslaught. It survived all these things. And I think the light bulb that's going off for the commodities community is the same light bulb that went off for me. Like, this is a digital commodity. It is something that governments, citizens, um, non-state actors, and all sorts of other types of entities will need and want to hold on balance sheet in order to facilitate the very important functions of uh, wealth preservation, value transfer, and, um, occasionally like a medium of exchange for hard goods. Like it's just, it's becoming obvious to the world. Um, also ETH as a settlement layer, I think is, is a topic that a lot of people in commodities are focused on because settlement layers and commodities are notoriously tricky and problematic. Um, so they're, they're asking like, Hey, is now a good time? It's funny that you sort of asked the same question, you know, maybe, maybe rhetorically, I was saying like, if you're 0% allocated to crypto, which, you know, still a lot of people are, now's, now's as good a time as ever. Uh, the 10-year thesis is so bullish that you should allocate something. And if you're 50% allocated or, or more looking to add, um, I, I even if I were still actively trading Bitcoin, I don't know if I would wait. Because I just don't, like looking at these ETF flows, like how you're literally just hoping they stop in order to, if you want to buy a dip.
1: You know, I just want to go back to the commodities point for a second. So you're inside, uh, right? You're you're trading oil all day, every day. What do you What do you see? Is I know a year ago you talked to me a little bit about the overlap between yeah. the two the, the two industries, right? Not just that Bitcoin is a digital commodity, but also that there might be some overlap that you've seen some exploration and actually set up settling deals. Yes, using Tether, using Bitcoin, right? whatever yep. it is has that progressed in any meaningful way
0: um, like functionally no uh, mm-hmm. other than you could say that you know the redenomination of hydrocarbon trade certain trade lanes like I you know China China and Russia trade crude oil denominated in uh, remni B now some of it. India trades some crude. India buys some crude oil, denominated in non-U.S. dollar uh, terms. Like aside from that little baby step towards a world where there's a new global reserve currency that everyone, even if they hate each other, can kind of get get their heads around, like Bitcoin. Like that little baby step has taken place. But I think what's like where crypto and commodities will eventually merge. um, Mm -hmm. There are a few different strands of that rope, and. I could describe them to you now if you're interested, but I think the baby step that needs to be taken other than re-denominating global trade away from the dollar, which is already taking place, is just commodities traders getting their heads around a digital asset, which is like it belatedly starting to happen in a big way. And then then what will follow is crypto will replace uh, commodities back office, uh, which is a way bigger match than TradFi back office. Commodities back office yep. is like... Like, settling an oil transaction between Nigeria and China, like, you wouldn't even believe how many nodes and pieces of paper and faxes and whatever. Like, I that that needs a decentralized uh, database. Then it needs a decentralized denominator, or some of it does. Not all of it. The dollar is great, but, like, it's not perfect for everybody.
1: Well, it's, and it's, then, de- it's definitely not now. I mean, you're yeah. seeing it you saw it two years ago when we first froze the the asset reserves of, of Russia and that 800 billion yeah. got got locked up well now it's getting worse I don't know if you've seen the recent headlines but they're actually thinking of there, there's there's agitation because of the aid slowdown to, to Ukraine to actually take those reserves and give them to Ukraine <laughs> and that yeah. would be that would be a death blow it no it wouldn't be instantaneous obviously it would never be instantaneous but in my opinion that would be the you know the the crossing of the Danube that would be the point of no return. I,
0: I thought the crossing of the Danube that was the point of no return, or maybe the Rubicon was. Um, yeah, Bruce, was when yeah. Uh, the Danube's a nice river too. I like it. Um, but you yeah, know what? He, it's
1: just I was just in Serbia. It's just, yeah, it was it why. was stuck in my head. You're, you're a Bohemian
0: guy, so basically, yeah. What can I say? Uh, the um, I thought the crossing of the Rubicon was when they took the assets in the first place. But, yeah, if they just fucking fork them over to Ukraine to buy weapons, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. I mean, the final thing that that I think crypto could be useful for in, in the world of commodities, and we're getting there fast, is, like, most commodities that are relevant mm. to most of the world are not just opaque. They're impossible to trade. Like, the types of oil and corn and wheat and things that, like, you can sort of see on screen if you're an institution mm. – they they constitute like a couple basis points worth of global consumption. Like if you imagine, imagine there's a market for West coast, you know, jet fuel or Indonesian rice, right. But the exchanges don't have time to spin these up for institutional counterparties. Meanwhile, like one thing FTX actually did a good job of was just like tokenizing new markets and throwing them out there. Sure. <laughs> half of it was probably illegal, right. but like at, at some point in the future, I think um to- the, the, Nature of tokenized assets uh, will make it such that most commodities trading will be tokenized and take place either on or off chain, but in tokenized form. and And I think that's like a real innovation for value transfer mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, basically the and hedging, speculation, all the things that
1: make commodities markets tick. Yeah, somebody, somebody needs to start to take that step. I mean, it's it's been. I think that's been prognosticated for a long time across all markets, and it is slowly happening in the traditional markets. I mean, you're seeing tokenized money market funds pop up uh, left left and right. Franklin Templeton was leading. Uh, I mean, I don't know they picked Stellar for some, God knows what reason, but they did. They did attempt to tokenize their money market fund. And so this this is coming at a, at a certain point. And then once it's tokenized, I think a lot of people make the argument. Well, well, you know, that's not really good for crypto. No, it's amazing. It's amazing because it's now interoperable with all, all, all the networks, right? So whether, whether that specific asset or that specific product actually delivers any bottom line to any network, it doesn't really matter because it's now part and parcel of being able to interact with that world. And so now when you're able to interact with a whole new world, that's going to bring value to that world. It's going to drag it away from your traditional architecture. So I can see that I can see that happening with uh, with commodities in in the, in the long run. Dude, um,
0: even you, Dog as, Whiff as, as hat is good for crypto. Like any use is good for crypto, even if it's you, said, you if it's, said it
1: wrong. It's it's Whiff. It's Whiff.
0: Sorry. Even Dog Whiff hat <laughs> is good for crypto. Even the casino stuff yeah. is good. It's just u- yeah. use cases are good, even if they're not necessarily the most like um, uh, let, let's call them blue label <laughs> use cases. You know what I think is interesting, like something that's cooking in crypto. A- aside from just a, a broader resurgence of interest and the ETFs bringing inflows and, and all that good stuff, is the regulators have gone kind of quiet, haven't they? Like this is an election year, and I was expecting them to start banging the the friggin' drum, but they, I think they're just like try, kind of hoping that people will forget the war they just lost with taxpayer
1: money against crypto. I don't know. I, well, I, I mean, mean, it's. I mean, look. I mean, this is, it's a political issue. At the end of the day, it's such a bad look for them. They spent so many resources and so much time coming after this space, and they have absolutely nothing to show for it. In fact, they only have taken massive L's. One of the best trades that we've done was we bought Ripple Equity because Ripple Equity was trading at a ninety nine point five percent discount to the actual balance sheet of the company. Now, why was it trading at such a massive discount? Because they were in an embroiled battle with the regulators. And it was entirely possible that these guys actually ended up losing their battle. But after we saw the SEC lose and lose and lose and lose and lose and lose, and, lose and lose, it starts to make you pretty bullish. And so actually before that uh, before that uh, arrangement or the, the, the decision the SEC came to, with, uh, with, with XRP that they absolved them of a lot of the different a lot of the different issues. obviously there's an appeal or whatnot. We started buying a lot because you could buy the equity for 1 to 1.5 billion and they had about 25 to 30 billion dollars worth of a variety of different things on the balance sheet mostly in ripple token but also cash also their venture investments a lot of, a lot of different things. I'm telling you this anecdote now because there are a lot of other opportunities like that that are exist today because the regulators are taking the foot off the pedal. In my opinion,
0: that's really, and crazy. so if you,
1: if, if you look at what historically in this industry has been priced poorly because regulators have been so aggressive with these types of assets and these types of products, now you know that the regulators are not going to be as aggressive, especially in the election year. It's not going to happen so what do you do you start to identify those pockets of opportunity and you start to bid them up and let me tell you if trump gets elected you're going to make a lot of money even if biden gets elected again or you know status quo and the status quo they 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 have lost the political will to come after this industry in a big way
0: like what's your worst case scenario politically for crypto is it like biden steps steps out because he's too old or infirm or something and like elizabeth warren, no are you kidding elizabeth it by, a, by a, oh well
1: yeah okay i was gonna i was going like i'm trying to construct on case. for a second if biden if biden stepped down it would probably be a good thing for crypto <coughs> um i mean obviously yeah if elizabeth warren comes up then that's basically that's it it's just elizabeth uh, yeah, warren. and it's just the it, only one I, i'd underwrite nobody nobody, that you el- you nobody else summers, nobody else cares about this industry like nobody else Cares.
0: And and Bi- Biden probably cared or Biden's lackeys probably cared more than anybody about trying to kill crypto. And they just got ironed out. They're done. Like they can't anymore. So they got completely nuked.
1: Basically, so, they, they mean- hollowed
0: out the American trading industry. They definitely made it harder for some American firms to trade crypto. They spent a ton of money like slowing down pro- progression in the space and um, probably sent a lot of talent offshore probably bankrupted a lot of startups who ran out of runway a lot of projects didn't get well, every, traction by the way they prolonged the winter but it's over now
1: like it's over every, everybody ended up moving to london because of this so many people yeah. in, so many people london dubai Dubai, yeah um, and th- it, it would be an amazing <laughs> thing if you know look politics aside uh if a reasonable person got elected on this issue or let's say you know somebody somebody on the right got elected I think it would be a wonderful thing to see all those people come back because I think they would. Yeah. And it would be, you know, the 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 American invention historically has been the ability to pursue success. That's always, that's always been the case. We've done such a poor job with it in this particular industry. It would be an amazing thing to get it back. And I think we can, and I think we have the opportunity to. I think that we're getting, I think I will say, Jonah, I am so proud of the American court system. I am so proud of the, of the, of the American court system that when you have government overreach, you had the, the checks and balances, they worked, they, they genuinely worked. You had bad arguments by bad people and those arguments got refuted and the industry won. And that is what we need, that we need more of this. And, you know, again, I think I've outlined a little bit of how to, how to make money on it. I mean, one thing that I'd love to hear from anybody that's listening is what do you think that, most targeted sectors have been. I mean, my my mind is around things like DYDX, SNX, a lot of DeFi products. But I think that there, I think that there are a lot of opportunities out there to start picking up things that the regulators tried to stomp on, and they haven't necessarily been repriced yet.
0: So I think that's really good advice. And one one thing I'd like to add on to it for the listeners, um, what you know, just anecdotally, what I'm doing in my career right now is I'm drilling in really deep into a sector that I know really well, which is um, petroleum and refined products and building trading strategies and sort of day trading my way around that market and then taking the gains and sort of investing them into Bitcoin on a more passive basis. Avi, you're trading crypto a little, a little bit or maybe a lot more actively than, than I am. But I think the broader lesson for the listeners from what the two of us are doing is like, Pick your pick your niche, dive into it, learn it really well, get in the Telegram channels, read the publications that that matter, get on Twitter and follow the the accounts that that tweet important shit and philosophy about, about your your narrow niche. Trade that niche, but don't spread yourself too thin trying to like day trade a hundred things or 50 things. So day trade your niche, get good at it, and then take your profits and sort of defease them back into uh, into your broader, like more passive longs that you have like a 10 year thesis on that you don't need to trade actively. And I think that could be something uh, that could be something that turns into a real lucrative process for people. Hopefully. Well, I think that's
1: great advice, Jonah, as always. Look, uh, you know, at the, at, at the, at the end of the day, it's always a good time talking to you. I think Likewise. this was, uh, you know, this was, this was, this, this was, this was, a, this was a fun one, you know, I, I apologize because I've been in Monaco trying to learn roulette for the last week. <laughs> trying to learn roulette? Yes. You, you just, roulette. you say black or red. No, 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 no. Listen, Listen, I listen, guess in listen, French listen, it's noir and rouge. but no, 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 Listen, 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 listen. You know, there's many things to learn. Apparently I look, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm being told that there are many things to learn. I'm going to, I'm probably going to stick to blackjack and poker though, but
0: uh, <laughs> well, I, I stayed up know, all night watching the 49ers lose. Um, that was, that was what
1: I did with my life. So yeah, I'd rather be in Monaco gambling with you. You, you really think that they were going to let before you really think they were going to let the 49ers win. You realize it was scripted, right? They, they had, they had to do it for, you know, my favorite, by the way, just, just my last point This has nothing to do with crypto, nothing to do with anything <laughs> else. Completely out of left field. But my favorite argument that I now see is that it was scripted specifically because they're trying to encourage neonatalism. Who's that? Which is the lizard people? Exactly. Or... The lizard, like the, okay. the, the, you know, the power, Jonah, the powers to be are trying the to Illuminati, neonatalism. Right. And they're trying to showcase, you know, a powerful couple together. And that encourage people to, you know, get together and have babies. It's like the most, like people writing like pages about this. Like, See, I had a different piece. Uh, how, how do you, how do you have the time?
0: I had a different thesis. I thought that, like, basically my working hypothesis is that Joe Biden died in 2021 and that the deep state reanimated his corpse with alien technology from Area 51. And I figured Mm. that whoever reanimated him would probably want to promote the city that, like, will reelect him with a 90% margin. It's called San Francisco. I grew up there. They fucking love him, or
1: love love
0: whatever. How did he's become. you
1: How did you grow up in San Francisco and end up a well adjusted human?
0: Um, back then, it was a really interesting, well adjusted place. There are artists, musicians, counterculture, like like good writing, like all kinds of. It was like a really multifaceted place with the whole spectrum of of, uh, <coughs> of professions. And mm-hmm. you know, you know, my, my parents on government salaries could afford a, a house and a nice life there in the American dream. Now it's uh, it's turned into something pretty ridiculous and sinister. I, I wouldn't go back. It's not my, it's not my kind of place. But um, it uh, it used <laughs> to be friggin' awesome. It used to be absolutely incredible. Yeah. It's I mean, like physically, it, take take uh, you know the the problems that it has like with urban blight I mean, right yeah, now it's aside. Um, like just in terms of like layout, it's the most, I think it's the most beautiful city in America with the hills and the skyline
1: kind of rolling around Coit Tower and the Golden okay, well, Gate Bridge. It's awesome. When, when uh, when BTC hits a hundred K, I'm expecting you to try to take over SF and turn it, you know, make, make SF great again. Well, that's
0: the problem. When BTC hits a hundred K, that'll get me into like lower middle class in San Francisco, right? <laughs> like you need to be a, a motherfucking plutocrat
1: to own a single
0: family home there. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, that's nuts, man. Well, maybe one of our listeners will get there eventually. They'll invest <laughs> it, You know, maybe, maybe somebody put some money in tab at $1. It's now five eighty six. dollars Help Jonah take San Francisco back. Uh, <laughs> one last thing. If you know any good French movies, let me know, because Jonah didn't know a single one, despite being married to a French woman. So.
0: Ro- Robbie Jacob. Watch that one.
1: Okay. Thank you.
0: All right, guys. We'll see you great soon. Great talking to you, Avi. Not investment advice. Love you all. Do oh, your yeah, yeah. research. Yeah. And uh yeah don't if, if you lose your money it's not my fault it's Jones fault. Uh no please. Good talking to you Abby. See you next time.